Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Man on the Post Weekend Review Show. This is our first show of 2021 after a, a, a bleak new year for myself. Um, so I'm your host, Ali, and joining me as always for the, the remainder of the season, we have Simon and Dave. How are we, chaps? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, it's not too bad, thanks, mate. Well, it was quite a... I mean, we had the full full list of fixtures this weekend, um, but, I mean, we, we briefly discussed the pod we were... Very meh games. Um, I mean, what was your overall thoughts to the the fixtures that we've missed talking about, and um, even just this weekend? Is it, are we really starting to miss fans? And um, just in general, obviously with the the Brexit rules and then the team's financial burdens with the worry of the the income. Obviously, we've not seen any signings coming in yet either. Do we expect much else to happen either? Mm, it's been a little bit of. A little bit of movement today, um, not anything good, but might show things are starting to move on a bit. But uh, it has been very quiet, hasn't it? I actually forgot the window was even open until uh, <laughs> I, I saw an advert earlier on uh, Jim White talking about it, as usual. The gold time. Oh, well. <laughs> no stone left unturned there, is there? Uh, it's been um, yeah, it's just it's just a just a strange old season. Um, we'll we'll crack on with this weekend's fixtures, which probably would say maybe the the the, the tie of the round, which nobody would have believed. Um, <laughs> rules two, West Brom three. Uh, um, I'm starting to get concerned with rules here. Um, leading two one at half time, and then West Brom beat them three two in the end. Um, Simon, I mean. <laughs> I don't know what to say here. Like, what's going on at Wolves? And um, can Sam put the up? Um, God, I don't. As to what's going on at Wolves, I mean, well, part of me says I really don't know, but then is it is it too obvious to say that um, Jimenez's injury and selling Josh in the summer has just caused them so many problems? I mean, I think they've only... I think they've now played nine games in the league since Jimenez got injured, and they've only won one of them. Um, but even regardless of whether you know you're, you're missing a strike like that, if you're winning two-one at half-time against West Brom, there's no way you should be losing that game. Now I know you can argue that you know it's, it's not like West Brom carved them open and think it was two penalties and a long throw that they scored from. But then having said that, kind of you've got to give credit to West Brom at half-time. You know, had it been 1-0 up sort of early on and then conceded two goals um, you know, the last sort of four or five minutes of the first half, their heads could have dropped. But fair play to them. They came out and, and went at them again. Um, 
got their goals and, and then when they went ahead I never really felt like they, they they never really looked like they were gonna let that lead slip. Um which again sort of goes back to what I was saying about Wolves' lack of goals and losing Josh and Jimenez. I think I don't think you can un, underestimate or overestimate how um how important those two players have been for them in the last sort of eighteen months, two seasons. Uh if I think if I still if you ask me do I think West Brom will stay up? I'd say at the moment no. Um I think they they still they need a few additions in January because I don't think in the long run they have still got enough quality to get the goals to keep them up. Um as for Wolves, I think unless if they don't sign a striker uh this month or if Jimenez isn't back available sort of sooner rather than later, I I mean, I wouldn't worry for them in anything like relegation. I mean, there's no danger of that, but I'd worry that the sort of progress they've made over the last couple of years could just be completely undone uh, this season because they're, they're just not looking right at all at the moment. You're right, like, they, um, they don't look good at either end of the field. I know, obviously, Jimenez being out as... Uh... It's going to cost them goals, but that shouldn't explain how they're shipping three goals at home to West Brom. And I know, as you say, two of them were pens, but it was just sloppy, wasn't it? And they haven't looked comfortable since the since they dropped the three at the back. I know they're trying to be more expansive and things, whatever else you want to call it, but it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't suit them, does it? Like it's, um, mm. I think that those midfield players, Matinho and Neves, um, and I guess to an extent, then Donga, like they're very good on the ball, but you wouldn't want them in a in a two-man midfield, I wouldn't have said. They don't have loads of legs in them. No. Um, and uh, they just seem a bit a bit open. Um, I know you said you're not worried about them being relegated, but if it goes on much longer, I mean, the problem, I've certainly as a Newcastle fan, I'm feeling is that the, the teams below us are starting to pick up points. Um, obviously, we'll come on to Brighton, who won later on Saturday. Um, Fulham look solid, if not spectacular, but certainly solid. West Brom we just talked about they've got well Allardyce's got a history of doing it hasn't he um, if they keep picking up points it's only going to get more and more nerve wracking for the teams in that in that pack just above the relegation zone now, I'm, I'm obviously very worried about it but Wolves are only three points up the table from us um, I think we have a game in hand on them as well which is against you which doesn't really count but <laughs> <laughs> with the the Wolves uh, you point you said there about them looking you know not looking so good uh having shifted to the four at the back what i don't i can maybe understand why they did it initially in terms of you know trying to be as more expansive as you say but the fact that that's clearly not working this are you not i'm really shocked that he seems to be persisting with it when especially when someone like connor cody it clearly doesn't suit him now we mm. saw we've seen how good he can be in a back three. So I don't, you know, he, he got international recognition from his performances in the back three. I, I, I really find that strange why that system has been persisted with. No, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think they've had enough of a trial with it now to say, you know what, that doesn't work. Um, now, is it that if they play the three, they don't think they get enough out of, you know, Samedo as a wing back um, compared to, what they got from Doherty, which was basically several goals and assists, which haven't been yeah. replaced. Um, 
I think the left side's a problem as well because Johnny's been out for the entire season so far and they've tried Saiz there, they've tried is it Marcel, uh, it Nuri, you know, they've got they've had three different options in there, none of them have it knew he's been quite good, I guess, but I don't think he's much of a defender. Um, they just seem to have, seem to have be, they were the, probably the most stable side in the league in terms of they pretty much played the same 11 every week under Nuno. I think they were, didn't they go something ridiculous, like 14 or 15 games unchanged? Yeah. Um, at one point, and then now every week it seems to be he's trying something different. I think brought Den Donker back in this week. I saw he'd recalled Catrone from, is it Fiorentina he's been at? Um, and he missed a chance towards the end, so he's obviously looking at everything he's got. I think he's brought Gibbs White back from Swansea as well, um, who looks a good young player, but probably probably not ready for Premier League football, really, I, I don't think. But he's having a good look at everything while he's got the chance in January, and uh, I, I guess the one thing we'd say is if, if Wolves need to move, they probably will. Um, they don't seem to be short of a couple of quid, do they? Mm. Um what do you think will happen with Wolves? Do you think they'll pull away, or do you think until Jimenez is back, I think this is, this is where they lie now? Um, I, I think it, unless, as I say, unless they get striker in, because I think that uh, Silver, he's, um, you know, he looks looks like a decent enough prospect, but he's, he's an eighteen-year-old kid. He's never really. No, I think this is his, like, his first proper full season professional football, really. So I, that's a lot of pressure t- to stick on someone new to the league. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're in a bit... Well, the, as I said, the fact they've only won once in the nine games since Jimenez got injured, you know, you'd have to say it looks like they, they could be in for a bit of a struggle unless something gets sorted soon. Yeah, I mean, I think they could have imagined... Silva having to play pretty much week in, week out as he is at the moment. Um, he took a score quite well. Nice little body body lead yeah. defender, but um, I think there'll be some games where he barely gets a kick, um, such as the way some of the centre-halves of the Premier League are built. But hmm. it'll be a, be a massive learning curve for him. He'll, he'll come on quite well. But, you know, they've got they've got Chelsea away next, uh, and then they've got what looks like a fairly big game with Palace uh, at the end of the month, away at Palace as well. Um I think that's probably again enough to look at, and that might determine whether they're going to start looking up the table or whether they're going to be looking over their shoulders for the remainder of the of the, of the season. Yeah, it's it's hard not to fear for Wolves just now. It really is. Um, you do feel they've got the quality there, but they they definitely need some quality coming in um, up front and and at the back as cover. You feel the midfield's there if they can get the shape right. As you mentioned, they've just gone back to that. 3-5-2, type formation sort of thing. Because um, Neves, Moutinho are built for a free. Um, I mean, with the Donker in there, or even playing the Donker at the back, where it can be that ball playing centre-back. But I, I just feel Nuno's gone as far as he can with him. I mean, two seven-place finishes, and he's sitting 15th just now, is that right? Uh 14th, I think. 14th, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, 14th. Points total doesn't, you know, doesn't seem he's, he's going to get anywhere near the points. Not that anybody's going to get the points totals from the last two seasons, obviously, but I, do, I just, I, I do fear for them. Um, I mean, once like West Brom went ahead again, 
uh, like yourself, Simon, I, I just didn't see a way back for Wolves. And that wasn't any anything to do with Sam and the way West Brom would help. But it's just more, I just don't, I don't see it from Wolves anymore. They just don't seem to have that, that threat. Um, like many clubs, I think it'll be an interesting month for them, put it that way. It's just odd. Like, as you said, like, Traore is probably the biggest mystery in the league and that he has every attribute to be, you know, in the goals and assists every week and he's just nowhere near them. He uh, seems to do a lot of his good work, you know, miles from goal, fundamentally. <laughs> um, so, I mean, with, with Traore, I, I was never convinced about I mean, we had him at Villa last, when he first came over to England and, like, yeah, he had, he had pace and trickery and strength then. But there was no final ball. He went to Middlesbrough in the Championship, and it was pretty much the same thing. There was there was rarely an end product. I think last season he he did pick up a little bit, but this year he for me just seems to revert to type. Like this, as I say, you know, he'll get he'll get to the byline time and time and time again. He, and like against Brighton the other week, he might just tempt a defender into a silly foul. But I think when he when he comes to actually delivering. It's very rare that he puts in good crosses. I think as well, teams have obviously worked him out a bit, and they can, with the exception of Dan Byrne, who similarly never met him before. <laughs> but but um, most most teams seem to have figured out just to just sit very deep against him, and you know he'll he'll struggle to uh, to find that final ball. But it's the type of player you'd love to watch. Like I mean, again, my got a comparison. Like we used to play Moussa Sissoko on the wing. And he was, he wasn't a great footballer, but when he got the ball, he was like a, he was like a battering ram. And you thought, you know, if we can counter with this kid, block it and threw people down the wing, it was quite good to watch. But um, yeah, it's going to the edge of the seat, doesn't it? Well, exactly. But when there's no fans there again, like it's, it's it, uh, you kind of miss a lot of these things, don't you? It's, um, I think we're all kind of sick of watching football on our on our sofas now, and it's uh, high time we're back watching it in the, in the flesh. Yeah, I think that's the the hardest thing. I think that'll be the the, the main talking point throughout the night, just the general fed upness. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we'll move on through rules. Um, I, I mean, as for West Brom, I think we we all are in agreement that this West Brom, I don't think can stay up even with Sam. But if he can bring in a couple of players to fit his system, he might just pick up enough points this season um, to stay up. Um, and on to the team who got a very important three points, um, having such a poor start to the season. Um, Brighton taking an, an away win to the to the bosses, Leeds United. Um, Neil Mopey in amongst the goals, um, an assist from uh, is it Alexis McAllister, somebody McAllister anyway, um, who's, who seems to be very excited when you watch him playing. Um, Brighton pick up the points again, Dave. As you mentioned, this is a a concern for yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, what you would say is that Leeds looked an absolute shadow of themselves without Calvin Phillips. Um, kind of yeah. knitting, knitting everything together, he is obviously a huge player for them. Um, secondly, the Leeds not employ a groundsman like that pitch was atrocious. <laughs> like it, was, it, was a, it was a throwback to the the nineties, where the nineties and earlier when you know pitches were cabbage t- uh, fields this kind of, this time of year, and it just doesn't suit Leeds whatsoever because obviously they like to get the ball down and play about a bit and I, I think it did disrupt them but um, to be fair to Brighton they played a nice bit of football for the goal um, the type of stuff they've been doing all season but they normally concede um, this time they didn't 
Um, I thought Leeds were, were very poor. Um, I don't know what you guys think, but it's kind of been the Leeds pattern um, in that they play very well the first part of the season and then the second part of the season seem to show a bit of weariness. Are we thinking it's going to be the same here or is it just a blip? Um, well, I I kind of said at the start of the season, I think I uh, suggested in the group, like I asked Ross this question and said, do you think there's a danger of burnout? And I kind of, my reason for that was I know in the championship last year, you play more games in the championship and they say, well, we got promoted playing it that way. But in the Premier League, it's a much higher quality of opposition you're playing against. So when you don't have the ball, it's a lot, you're working a lot harder than you would when you don't have the ball against uh, your average championship team. So mm. I think the fact that they kind of, they've obviously got injuries at the back and they don't have many options going for, you know, other than Bamford, I don't really think they've got any other forward options. So they've kind of, they're playing pretty much the same team week in, week out. And I do think they'll, there comes, especially with so many games in such a short amount of time and the way they play, I think that there is an element of that, you know, you possibly tiring out. I don't think necessarily it'll happen in such an extent that they'll be in a relegation problem. But again, having said that, I think if they don't address that this month by maybe bringing one or two players in, then I don't know, there, there might be a bit of trouble later on down the line. We've seen in the past teams that have come up and had a cracking first half of the season and done really well, but then just completely fallen away second half of the season and gone down or come close to coming down. And that, you know, I'm not saying that will definitely happen, but that's something that I think should be a slight concern. I mean, the one thing that will probably work in their favour is obviously going out the FA Cup, which doesn't feel like a favour right now, but I think they've now got... Yeah. Um, but they don't yeah, play us. Where the, ne- the next game on the 26th of Jan? Um, yeah. Trent Leeds last played, what, Saturday? So that's going to be a 10-day break by the time that comes around. I mean, that's probably going to do them the world of good just in time for uh, their visit up here. But um, I think if we're, if we're saying Wolves have been bothered, we've probably got to include Leeds in the discussion because they're only a point further up the, up the table. But... I don't think realistically either would be anyone's favourites to go down. Um, Leeds, the type of team we said earlier in the season, they could they could lose three, they could win three. Like it's just that's yeah. the way they are, isn't it? I, I think maybe what might be a, con- a side concern is the fact that they haven't scored in their last three games. Like even you know in the games that they have lost this season, they've they have at least scored in them and and looked to threat. That was the game on Saturday against Brighton, probably the first time. I've made, well, maybe the first or second time after the uh, Tottenham game of the week where I've watched them and thought they don't look like, you know, they, they could play for another 90 minutes and they wouldn't score in this game. So, but then, as you said, I think Calvin Phillips, I, I, I don't think maybe until watching this game, I, I hadn't quite appreciated just how important he is to that team and, and the role he plays because they, I mean, they looked dreadful, I thought, on, on Saturday, which is not, mm. not something... Going, for, I mean, they've looked dreadful defensively all season, but they haven't looked dreadful going forwards at, at all this season. But on Saturday, I, I thought they really, really struggled. Yeah, they couldn't couldn't get anything going, could they? It, was, it seemed like a real struggle to build an attack. Um, and I say, but I think part of it was down to the, the pitch. But is it uh, who was it that played instead of him? Was it Strike or I, I yeah, 
I, I, I don't know, but he didn't seem to have anywhere near the passing range that, that, um, that Phillips has. But then again, I suppose not that many do. Um, so I mean, I think he's only got a one-match ban, so I think he'll be back for the next game. But um, it's just strange that Leeds were absolutely flying, and then they got stuffed off Man United, and haven't really been the same since, have they? Yeah, that's pretty much where it went wrong. But I, I, I do believe of, of all the teams, like because of the style of play Leeds play, the the no fans is really affecting them in this league as well. Because like that sort of that sort of style, which even in the championship it was always just that you know gung ho. But so even if they, if they lost, it didn't really matter because it was just that hundred mile an hour. Whereas in the Premier League, as you said, Simon, that when it's not working against. You know, a mid, even a mid-table Premier League team, they're still having to work harder than they would in the Championship at times. Whereas yeah. they, don't have, they don't have any any fans, any any atmosphere. You know, giving them that extra, you know, like you know, just that the noise, yeah. and the energy that even that a tackle brings, or because Leeds play that high-intensity pressing. Like again, a bit like we're saying, Dave, we you know, we certain players, and you're just on the edge of your seat, and you're you're almost like sucking the ball or blowing the ball wherever you're going and it, it must be just so hard for the players just to be like trying to play that you know such like likes to go the Klopp expression you know the heavy metal football type and they're getting no feedback from it and they've got Bamford up front who <laughs> had six more goals than I expected them to finish the season with <laughs> um, and we, we, we've said it from the beginning, I think the three of us, when he doesn't score, where's the goals going to come from? Well, this is it. And uh, I mean, have got Rodrigo, who I kind of assume would have... Would, I'm sure he plays centre-hold for Spain, doesn't he? So I thought he would have, you know, probably ushered Bamford out of the team at some point this season. Then Bamford started like a train and probably became, you know, a different a different plan yeah. for that. But um, it's probably an option I'll have to look at if Bamford doesn't doesn't remember how to score soon because he's, <laughs> he's had a quiet few weeks, hasn't he? I think that even though with, with Rodrigo, if you look at his goal-scoring records, I think as for centre-forward, I think, I'm sure when he signed, I saw that he's only had one season where he's hit double figures in his entire career. So he's he's not you know, he's not necessarily going to be the answer. I, I do think that that is an area which might cause some concern. I know Bamford had a really good start, has had a good start to the season. But I kind of, I I sort of likened him to being maybe what Timu Puki was for Norwich last season in that he had a very good goal-scoring start and then once people wised up and the goals mm. dried up and that that would be my concern with Bamford that he's, you know, the championship, he, he'll get you probably, you know, maybe 15 goals but in the Premier League, I, I just, I don't, I still don't believe he's a Premier League quality centre-forward. I think he's, he's just had a, a good start, which... Which is now dried up, which is what happens to Puky. Yeah, I think with the amount of analysis clubs can do nowadays, it's a lot harder for a striker to sustain, um, you know, a period of, of form in a new league without being sussed out. Not necessarily quickly, but the more you play, you know, the more people yeah. are going to look at what your strengths and weaknesses are, and it's it's everywhere now, isn't it, with with sports science and stuff. So, I think at the comparison to Puky might be a good one. Yeah. Um... Great win for Brighton, though. Well, yes, yeah, I, yeah. It's starting to kind of go their way the last few weeks, isn't it? I mean, 
we were kind of down on Brighton at the start of the season. Like it was all, you know, playing nice football but getting no results. But they've not really changed much. And you know, slowly but surely they're starting. You know, as you said, Dave, like the the goals have just you know slowly keeping in. I mean, fair play them because they've stuck their guns throughout all this. They um they, they play you know the same or similar system every week. Um, not afraid to rotate the squad. They've got a lot of kind of similar players here that can swap in and out, and um, they all seem to know the positions quite well. It's just, um, as I say, they haven't haven't managed to pull the results together. And quite early on in the season, they played very well against Man United and got beat. And I thought that knocked them a little bit because they um, they deserved to win that game probably two or three times over in, in truth. But yeah, um, they, they say they've. they've They've always been in games. They haven't if they played Man City on Tuesday or Wednesday and they were lucky there not to get a point because they, they, mm. they really came on strong in the last twenty minutes. Um the, the they're obviously down there, but um you wouldn't say they were favourites to go down by any means. I think they've got enough about them to stay up. It's just the problem they will have is that if they do get sucked right into the bottom three, they're not the type of team who can go and score goals willy-nilly and by score goals by throwing balls in the box and things. Everything they do is very precise. Um, yeah, they've got a fight about them. Yeah. I what they have got in their fight, just looking at the tables, if you look at the bottom six or bottom seven, if you want to chuck Wolves into that as well, the amount of draws Brighton have got compared to the other teams, so they, I mean, they haven't won many games. I mean, obviously, they've only won three, but they've got eight draws this season, so they're kind of they they are sort of staying in games and, and picking up points here and there, which is, you know, what you need when you're in that relegation battle, isn't it? It sounds so silly to say, but if if you're gonna if you if you can't win a game, make sure you don't lose it and get something from it, which is what they seem to have done. What you know, what they clearly have done better than, than a few teams this season. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's exactly it, isn't it? The, as long as they keep that scoreboard ticking over, you don't feel like you're stuck in a rut, like like you know, again, like we are at the moment, where we just can't buy a point or anything at the minute. But uh, Brighton are kind of constantly in games and looking for something. It's it's and they get the rewards every now and again. But uh, I think it'll be fine. I think uh, it, it is with them, and I've said this earlier in the season. It's Brighton. It's a work in progress, and you can see them actually working towards what they want to do. Um, which I, as a fan, I'll be all for. Um, it's just it doesn't always work, and you have to accept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's um, I'll be, I'll be an interesting couple of weeks coming up. I just say with the games, uh, obviously not the weekend, the weekend after, um, and then obviously the transfer window will be interesting to see. Um, up next, now I didn't see this game, I didn't see the stats of Burnley winning or losing one 0 to West Ham. But they had more possession away from home. This must have been an absolute abysmal game. Um, Michael Antonio with a winner for West Ham. He, I mean, he's crucial to everything West Ham do um, for me. Um, but Dave, did you see this? And and is this the first game Burnley's ever finished with the most possession in a game? Um, well, I didn't watch it, obviously. Um, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm pleased I didn't if Burnley had more possession than anybody. Um, <laughs> I know it's Moyes in the West Ham dugout, but um, I mean, good grief. I only didn't watch it because it was on Amazon and uh, I couldn't bother to switch the PlayStation on to put it on, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, 
West Ham have just got this, they've all of a sudden become very, very, very solid. Um, and if they can score at the other end, happy days. Um, I wanted to ask you both about um, West Ham effectively cashing in on Haller this week, um, deciding he's never going to reach that potential. They've taken a fairly large loss on him in in what's about 18 months into the bottom. Um, what do you think? I think it's been linked with a striker from Sevilla today. Do you think this was a good move or do you think it's a bit premature? Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't really, I haven't really seen an awful lot of him and what I have seen, I was very rarely impressed. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, he got, a, he scored a great bicycle kick. I can't remember who that was against now, a couple of weeks ago. Um, might have been Crystal Palace. But that's, I think that's the only thing I can remember him doing in the 18 months he's been at West Ham. So, I don't know, if, if, if they can get someone in that that he's going to hit the ground running, then I suppose they'll take the loss, but it's, it's a heavy loss. I, I don't know, how, how much do they spend on him? Is it... it was something ridiculous, like 35 or 40 million. Yeah. Um, it was um, a lot, I remember that much, but I don't know how much that was front or how much of it was, you know, based on X, Y and Z. You never really know, do you? But I think they've sold him to Ajax for something like a loan now with the option to buy of 25 mil or something like that. It's, mm, it's... It's, I don't know, maybe it's, it's one of those that... You think if you spent that much money, you might you think well you know because we spent that we we should probably try and persist with it. But then again, you know if you've if you've seen over eighteen months and not an awful lot to convince you that he's going to to make it in the Premier League, which you know just, just some players just aren't built for the aren't made for the Premier League. So I don't know. If, I mean, it, it all depends on who they get in because they need to get someone in because. Antonio, I you know I like him. He's, he he does a really good job for them, but he does get a lot of injuries. And I mean, there's there's not many uh, strikers, to be fair, who I like him in that you can pump the ball up to him and it will stay, or you can hit it over the top and he can get in behind and get on it. Like there's actually very few of those players about, so they need to get someone in. You know, if not a like for like sort of Antonio replacement or you know another sort of option up front for when Antonio isn't available because when he's not they they look pretty toothless up there. That's why I was a bit surprised they got rid of Haller just because Antonio's injury record is not the best, um, mm. and you know he could easily go down with an injury, um, and if he does, then I think looking at Look at a young lad on the bench at the minute whose name I can't remember, who seems to be the, the backup or they can put, I don't know, Bowen in there or something like that, but totally different players. Mm. Um, but you I must guess, assume they'd have someone lined up then to yeah, go. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, the same, the same bid for this, I can't his name, is from Sevilla. Um, I, I don't know anything about him, so I don't know if he's the same type of player or not, but it's a very West Ham type thing to do in a buyer player from, <laughs> for, for like 30 million or something from, you know, a country. Yeah. You know, obviously Spain's a very good football nation, but to bring a player from La Liga to Premier League in January and be like, fix our, <laughs> fix our problems. <laughs> it's just like, it's just not going to happen, is it? Um, it's like, can you remember years ago when they broke the transfer record on, um, was he called like Nazarenko or something? And he was, he barely played for them. He was awful. I vaguely do remember that. Yeah, maybe, was, maybe in the Zola era where they just decided yes. to, to spunk like 40 million up the wall on this player no one ever heard of a bit like us with Joe Linton I guess but yeah, um, yeah. very West Ham wasn't just, it just was. to rub salt in the wounds I think Haller scored in his first two games for Ajax as well <laughs> <laughs> well there you go um, no, I, I mean I, I, I didn't watch this game I've got to be honest it, it didn't appeal I watched the Leeds Brighton and 
I've seen the, I watched the highlights so much of the day, but I feel wrong calling them highlights because I actually can't even remember Antonio's goal. But that's how no, I was going to say. Oh, was, it, was it from a corner? <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely can't remember it. <laughs> well, yeah. Can we move on? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, as I said, once I seen Burnley had the most possession in the game. Um, I mean, I will just quickly add the bright thing for Burnley fans if there's any listening. Dwight McNeil's back playing. He came off the bench. Um, I, I do like McNeil, so he came on. Um, okay, we'll move. On. I mean, I don't really want really much talk about the next two games either. Not really much happened. Fulham <laughs> nil, um, Chelsea won. Um, I, I feel Chelsea got lucky here with uh, the stupidity of Anthony Robertson to get the red card before half time. Um, Mason Mount with a with a winner. Um, I mean, not much to add on this. I mean, Simon, um, was it a red card for you? And uh, I yeah, I think it was. I mean, it, it you you can't lunge in that sort of wildly. I'd say. I mean, he, he didn't properly catch him, but I think that's more. Just good fortune from Aspilicueta's point of view that he didn't catch him because if his if his leg had been if he hadn't have hopped out of the way of that 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 could have been that could have caused some serious damage. And from a Fulham point of view, you'd be so pissed off with him because it was such a needless challenge as well. Yeah. You know, it was pretty much on, on the edge of of Chelsea's own box. Like if, just and Fulham, I thought I'd played really well in that first half. Um, in that Cavallero showed a bit more composure with his chance. They they could have they could have gone in one 0 up. I mean it kind of Mason Mount to be fair hit the bar as well. So I, th- I thought the first half was fairly even and Fulham had kind of done you know pretty well which they have been doing a lot of late actually Fulham. Um I think Scott Parker probably deserves quite a bit of credit. I think you know we we well I'd certainly admitting him and Fulham off after two or three games this season. But he's he seems to have Changed the formation a bit. He's gone and you know made them a bit more sort of solid at the back and solid through the midfield. And yeah, up and up until that red card, I thought Fulham were well in that game. Once they went down to ten men, you know, even though Chelsea aren't playing great and are managed by you know, an overqualified PE teacher, they have got some quality players, so they're going to get those chances. And Mason Mount is having an excellent season and took his goal really well, but. I, I I think you got that spot on. I, I think Ful- Chelsea got lucky with Fulham getting a man sent off because I don't. I'm not so sure they'd have gone on to have won that had it stayed 11 v 11. Do you know? Do you know what I'll say about the red card? Now this is this is where referees annoy me. Is it's just the consistency. Now I'm I'm fine with it being a red card. Um, it was it was stupid. Um, it was. Except I'd say that although the contact wasn't there, the not intention, but it was kind of like excessive force was used and there was no need for it, you know, the lunging in. Yeah. But the Southampton Liverpool game, Walcott done the exact same. I think it was to Milner, um, but actually made full contact, and the referee didn't even give a foul. And it's just well. the, it's just the frustrating part, and it's where you know Fulham will look at as frustrating as well when you see stuff like that. Um, I mean. Again, it's a red card for me. It's just stupidity from the player. I mean, they should be 
you know, pent in their frustration towards the player. But I mean, this is where we need, you know, consistency in the game. Yeah. And it's just, um, I mean, Dave, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll come to you. I mean, can Lampard mess this up anymore? I mean, I know he's getting the results here, but. He made it's hard work just, of this, didn't he? It's, uh, yeah. it's just funny, isn't it, how you know, they spent so much money on Werner and Havertz and various other attacking players, and yet it's you know, the kid he had on loan with Derby who's, who's dug him out of a hole really here because, um, as, as I said, Mason Mount's been their most consistent player, I think, all season. And he probably um, gets the most grief because his name's not Jack Grealish. Well, I know. But, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Grealish, Simon, but it's just... Yeah. I mean, we that's, we've as you said before, I think sort of Gareth Southgate can take a lot yeah. of the blame for that. Absolutely. Um, well, I was going to make this point later on, but I mean, if you're Southgate, you've somehow got to... You're looking at the squad for if the Euros go ahead, you've got Grealish, Mount, James Madison and Phil Foden all playing yeah. absolutely out of their skins uh, at the minute. Um, how on earth do you pick a squad? Like I know he's... It's it's ridiculous the options we've got really as a country. Um, yes. And we won't. I know we won't do the right things. We'll, we'll play negatively and we'll probably won't won't achieve what we could. But bloody hell, like I think uh, as a it's, it's ironic as well because Southgate actually bought a lot of these guys through when he was the <laughs> 21 manager. Um, and now he's kind of made a rod for his own back because he's got to try and pick a team out of them. Um, yeah. And he's going to get so much grief over it because he's he's got some fantastic options in there. But I'm sure we'll touch on this nearer the time but um, to go back to the game at hand here um, I think what you've said so far is totally right and that um, Fulham were just getting on top as well when the red card happened the, the, you know they kind of weathered the early storm and they were just starting to ask some questions of Chelsea and that red card killed them and alright they, they, they tried to hold on for nil-nil but just couldn't quite um, but as I said Fulham or Parker in particular has obviously changed it to be five or three at the back whatever you want to call it and the look very very solid and it's good because they've, they've got defenders who defend and that's a stupid thing to say but they've just got these three centre-backs in who just say right we'll deal with this shit don't worry about us and then up front they're like, you know, look, Lookman, Caviero, Loftus-Cheek all these you know, players who are a bit exciting They all, all they have to do is worry about attacking they don't have to track back like this is the problem a lot of teams have got is that they, they want their wingers to, to come back and defend which is fine but when you're not very good and your wingers spend 90% of the match in their own half, it's, they're no good. So mm. I think that's what, that's what I like about them. They've found ways to get the best players um, in you know positions where they can cause bother whilst not being totally cavalier about it. Yeah, Fulham have definitely made massive improvements um, the last few weeks. Um, I, I, I do like uh, Lukeman. I mean, he's been... I feel like he feels really guilty for that penalty. <laughs> <laughs> he should. <laughs> very, very well. Um, I mean, Caballero, is that his name? I keep thinking, just run back to the Man City goalkeeper. Um, he seems like a very, very useful player until maybe the last 15 yards. You know, until he's in the box and then he starts panicking and forgets what to do. He was... Um, he was- I think he was very good for Wolves in the promotion season, and then he kind of got tossed aside because they could afford bigger and better things. Yeah. And I also I think he also got a big injury, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so by the time he came back, he was behind, you know, four or five other players at uh, yeah. at Wolves, and um, seems to have done all right at Fulham. Um, he obviously fluffed his lines a bit with the chance he had, where he 
I heard Wayne Bridge saying it was poor technique. Like he just missed his kick, Wayne. Like it's not like he, you know, spooned. It's like he just missed it. It hit a standing leg. Like it happens. But yeah. You, Wayne, you were talking about. <laughs> you, you want to talk about poor technique? You, you want to look at Timo Werner's miss at the end? Oh God! Fuck! What has happened to that lad? I feel so right. sorry for him. That's bizarre right. in this place. I'm glad you brought up Werner here. Now, I take it we've seen the video that Ryan put into the chat. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can, can we discuss this pass, please? Because am I being harsh to Chelsea here by saying that's not a good pass? Werner's touch is awful. <laughs> but the pass is behind him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that. It's, it's, not, it's not the perfect pass that, that they made out, but... I prefer the, uh, the flick in the one-two than I did the pass. Like that is a that is a very simple, not very. I say that like you know we can all do it, but like you know a top quality player can play that pass in front of the player so the player runs onto it. Mm. And this ball, he just curls it so it's going away from Werner. Werner's touch for the player we all thought he was 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 awful, granted, but like. I just can't believe that a, a football club are tweeting this out and fans are like waxing lyrical over this match that I thought was just shocking. <laughs> Sorry, I, Ryan. <laughs> I, w- I just w- wanted to ask you, Andy, do you think, had you got Werner, that he'd be doing a lot better, they'd be doing better if he'd gone to Liverpool than he's currently doing at Chelsea? Well, I, I'm always going to say yes, obviously. Yeah, I, I genuinely believe yes because I believe we were signing him for a purpose. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, and, and I'll stand system. by what I said. Chelsea have signed him because he was available, not because that's what they wanted or that's what they needed, and that's what we had a role for him specifically. Like we had obviously Klopp had scouted him for for a while. He knew the type of player he was getting. Every player we sign might not always be obviously. Werner would have been much wanted, but we don't necessarily always sign players who are at the top of their game already. You know, we sign mm. the players that fit a role. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the way you you really should do sign-ins. Obviously, you, you, you'll take a, the odd gamble here and there because a player is available. Um, but it's, it, there's, there's a type of player, a manager should be looking for the type of player that they require for their system. And and what, I, I'll, I'll say it again, and I, I, it sounds like I'm always being negative towards Chelsea because they are the scum of the earth. But <laughs> we genuinely have just signed players because they're they're good, they've got a good reputation, and they're available and they can afford them. They're doing no different to what you know. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of lower down the teams when players have. You know what Portsmouth did. Mm. For a while, you know, just sign players because they were available, um, and then started taking a bit like Bolton when they were signing Campo, and, um, and, and it's just it's not working, or and it, it might work with a better manager. It feels a bit like you know when when Tottenham sold Bale and they had all that money, yes, and yeah. they just went mental just signing, as you say, anyone. Yeah. They got excited. It's, it feels like because Chelsea had that had that transfer ban. It was like, okay, all of a sudden we can go sign players again. Yes. We've got a manager who's very inexperienced and doesn't really know what he's doing and has just seen the big transfer kitty and, yeah, just gone completely mental with players that are well, available. Put it this way, if, if Abramovich had decided to sell up, took all his money out of Chelsea and Chelsea had to sell all the players for money in the summer, you're not telling me that those players wouldn't be the first to sell. Yeah. They wouldn't lose too much money on them. 
their reputation won't go down much because people will still be able to see, you know, as I think you mentioned earlier, Dave, just with the type of scouting there is in the world just now. Like, it's not really about how they're playing. It's more about their attributes and characteristics nowadays. Mm. That they wouldn't, I mean, what did Werner sign for? 50 million, was it? Uh, I think so, yeah. He'd probably still go for 45. They wouldn't lose too much. Same way, same with Havertz, same with Zayic. You know, there wouldn't be much money lost because because the players are still there. So a, a coach who who wants that type of player, who who needs that role filled, a bit like Ozil, you know, the type of player Ozil is. Ozil, if he hadn't been on 350 grand a week um, and was willing to go for less than Arsenal would have said, would have went to any team in the world if they were looking for that number 10 creative type player. Those types of players won't go in. I genuinely believe Werner would have done much better at Liverpool purely because he was brought in to do a specific role, um, not just can you come and be a number nine, which Chelsea kind of try to squeeze him into. But on that, Ali, given the choice now, and let's say no, there's no injuries involved, would you take Jota or would you take Werner, given how Jota started for years before his injury? So you're asking me now, now that I've seen... Well, just in general, you know, would you, swap them, would you swap them if you're given the option to now? Now that I've seen Jota play for us, yeah. no, I wouldn't. Um, if you'd asked me at the start of the season, I'd have obviously took Werner over Jota. Um, I didn't think Jota was as good as as he was. Um, but again, I, I was the same with Manny. But they've just there's certain players that make that step up better, and that might be the, the the thing with Werner as well. Maybe his personal characteristics can't handle that that pressure. The we we are quite Premier League snobbish, but there, I I do feel there is a higher intensity in the Premier League. Um, you've obviously got the media pressure around it as well, so it can't be easy for him. Either way, he looks. Abysmal at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it, it can't be easy when you've got a manager who's chopping and changing the front line every week and playing you in different positions every week as well. Again, yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm not a Lampard fan by any means, but I do feel you kind of need to get... They've got too many similar players now. And it's, Do you know what this reminds me, actually? Not so much to Tottenham. Remember when Everton signed nine, nine attacking midfielders in one window? None of them had eights. Well, this seems to be what Chelsea have done. You know, like, they don't really have... Like, Werner was never a number nine. That's just what I didn't understand that some people spoke about. Mm. Werner was never that number nine who was going to get you 30 goals a season. Well, it's Havertz as well, isn't it? Like, he... He, yeah. played, he played like a false nine at times for Leverkusen and he played, you know, probably right side, left side, but... I don't actually know what his position is, and I don't think Frank, I don't think Lampard does after you know twenty games, whatever it is, probably twenty five, including Europe. Like I, I think he's probably played every position on the on the pitch, um, and we're no, none the wiser to what is what is what his best role is really. I know they're saying, oh well, you know we've got to integrate them into the team, but you don't integrate someone in by playing them in different positions every week. You mm-hmm. pick the position and you put them there. Yeah, I think Havertz perfectly sort of encapsulates what you you say, Ali, about just signing a player because he's he's got a good reputation and he's available and you can sign him. They didn't need him and I don't think they know what to do with him. Yeah, whether they need him or not, I don't think it's the case. I think they probably need him. I think he's he's probably their... 
I say that he's not. He can't be their best player because he's not playing the best for them. But if you if you're looking at the start of the season, you would have said he was probably their best player at the time. Um, I just think the the I think if they could bring in a stronger manager um, with with a goal, you know, with a set formation, which who kind of knows what he's doing. So he'll coach oh. the players to play his his style of football. Whether he, whatever you think of Jose Mourinho's style of play, you know he gets players to buy in um, and make it work. And that's what needs to happen at Chelsea. They need to four three three, four five one, four two three one, whatever they want to do. Get that formation set. You know, get instruct players how they want them to play, and either get them to buy in or again, just don't play them. Stop trying to put square pegs into round holes. And that's what I feel like they're doing at Chelsea just now. And they're getting by because they have such a quality team. Um, like, they beat Fulham not because they were the better team. They beat them because they had better players. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll move on from the, the Chelsea bashing um, as much as it um, delights me. And something that pains me because it's Brendan Rodgers um, but two of the most exciting young players in the league um, Leicester 2 Southampton 0 James Madison and Harvey Barnes with the goals um, Simon did you watch this? Uh, I, I didn't watch the game live no. I've seen it on Match of the Day um, very impressive from Leicester once again they sort of it sounds weird to say but they've almost sort of gone a bit under the radar in the title race. I think with the uh, hype around the Liverpool Man U game on the weekend and City's sort of resurgence, I think the the fact that Leicester are still, you know, they're two points off the top of the table sort of gets a bit lost. Um, Madison, that's a lovely little finish that. I mean, he's, he's sort of, he's, he's one of those that you kind of, you wonder why more people don't score from that position. And when I say that in terms of where he was, where he took the shot, if you leather it into the roof of the net, nine times out of 10, it will go in because the keepers are so low. So you, you wonder why more people in that position don't, don't try and hit it into that spot. Um, and yeah, as you say, Harvey Barnes, nice little finish right at the end of Southampton, pushing for a winner. Um, I mean, I, th- I think, yeah, obviously we've all been very, um, uh, positive about Southampton as well this season, so that's I thought Leicester looked pretty from what I saw in the highlights, looked fairly comfortable throughout the game as well, so that's that's just a really impressive win for them yet again Yeah, Dave, I mean for you, I mean as, a, as an England supporter, you must be delighted with, with Madison's progress of all as well Yeah, he's getting back to his best, isn't he? He kind of went a bit, bit off the boil through Various, he had a few injuries and things, which have kind of been nibbling away at him for a few few months now. But he seems back at his absolute best at the minute. Um, Southampton here seem to be missing a few. I think Ings didn't play. I didn't hear the reason why. Um, I think he must be guessing he's carrying a knock or something. Um, obviously, the Vestergaard's out at the minute, uh, so they didn't look themselves. Um, they weren't didn't play badly, but um, they looked a bit a bit toothless, I guess we'd say, without without Ings up there. Um, they're good, but they're, they're not as good as Leicester. Um, and as you say, we keep going back to this, like if Leicester hadn't thrown it away at home to Fulham, <laughs> Leicester would be top of the table. Like, it's, it's wild, I think, but um, they're, they're in form and they're, they're playing well. And the, the only worry for them is that Vardy limped out of this one at the very end. I don't know how bad the injury is, but um, 
I imagine not, nothing that a couple of cans of Red Bull won't sort out. Well, that's it. I mean, he's pretty much bionic anyway, isn't he? So I think they've got um, Chelsea away on Tuesday night or, or Wednesday night. That's a huge game, isn't it? Like, you, as, as, as a neutral, I really want Vardy to play in that because I think Vardy against Thiago Silva could be quite amusing. Um, <laughs> but uh, again, it all depends on if, if you'd love to see both teams at full strength just going hammering tongues at it because I think that could be a really good game to watch. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, I'm loving seeing Thielman's back in form and, and kind of getting the goals and assists this year that his play last season kind of deserved um, as well. So he's getting a wee bit more praise. I felt like he was getting, he was taking a lot of, not battering, but a lot of stick last year just because he didn't have the numbers um, to match the actual overall play. But um, I have no idea why he didn't play. I thought Adams did okay, um, but... I just thought Leicester were just too good for them. Leicester, genuinely, as you say, that Fulham result aside, um, they're they're top of the league and and you know looking very good for it as well. They've they've just been excellent this year, barring barring a few games, and it just makes me happier at Liverpool's performance against them. Just seems <laughs> good to beat really, um, because it's one of the few games that you know we've looked like look like champions and um, I mean Leicester they just never look in trouble like you know they're just very 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 assured um, they've got so many options now as well I mean we're talking about Fafana as well who I think I didn't realise he's only just turned 20 I think um, and he's he's incredible like he's he's fit the league like a glove he's just arrived and he's immediately hit the ground running um, I think they were being like Soyun Chu back from injury to this one Still got Ricardo Pereira to come back in, even though James Justin at right back has been brilliant as well. Um, Castagna on the other side, he's back from injury now. Um, other than back up for Vardy, because I, I natural doesn't look up to him anymore. But um, yeah. that's the one position where you'd say they're probably a bit short. But yeah. they're um, they've just built a very very good squad, and um, I couldn't call it like they, there's no reason at all why they couldn't go on and, and challenge for the title. There is. Um, well, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> he's got a hell of a fake tan. He's got very pearly white teeth. He's from Northern Ireland and he's got a massive eagle. Unfortunately, he's the reason that they will not um, repeat that pre- the Premier League win of uh, a few years ago. Um, and, I'll, and I will stand by that. <laughs> um, but he's still a better manager than Frank Lampard. So um, <laughs> I can see why Chelsea have him on their shortlist according to according to bookmakers. Um, we'll move on to Sunday um, and Sheffield United's um, only, only win lasted lasted long. Um, mm. But normality resumed with a, a 3-1 away win for uh, Tottenham Hotspur. With a, I mean, the only thing I've seen in this game is in Dombley's goal, which is wonderful. Mm. Um, I mean, Dave, this is uh, an attacking Spurs for once. Or was it just because it was Sheffield United? Um, Sheffield United didn't help matters by giving the ball away in stupid areas. Um, I think when you get an early goal and you're Tottenham, it helps a great deal because all they want to do is play on the counter. They want to get the ball into Kane and they want to spin it over the top for Son or Bergwijn or whoever's going beyond them. Um, so as soon as they got ahead, Sheffield United had to try and force the play. The second goal, possession turns over the middle of the park. Hoiberg to Kane, it's 2-0. Um, in fact, Sheffield United came out of the second half and played, played quite well. Uh, they deserved their goal, but um, then, you know, gave away another goal. Norwood again gave the ball away just outside his own box and 
as you say, Ndombele's finish was, was brilliant, um, but very avoidable from a Sheffield United point of view. Um, there's not really an awful lot else to say about it. Spurs do what Spurs do, and just they, they won a game they're expected to win um, with with fairly minimal force. They probably could have had more, to be honest. Kane had a few chances which he missed, but um, I never really felt they were in too much trouble here. Yeah, no, I get pretty much the same. I mean, Simon, yourself, any shocks here at all? Uh, no, not really. I mean, when Sheffield United pulled one back, I don't know, you, you can argue maybe there was a glimmer of hope and sort of Tottenham having thrown away a few leads. But, I mean, it's it's impressive for Sheffield United to score one goal in a game. You know, it's very unlikely they're going to get two. And I think the, uh, the quick third goal from Ndombele just finished any sort of contest, if, if it even was a contest at that stage, just killed it off. So, yeah, I mean, Sheffield United, they, I mean, they're, they're going to go down. I don't know after they, they got their first win during the week, there were some people trying to say, oh, could this kickstart things off? I can answer that for everyone. No, it won't. Look, after listening to Dave tell me about the, the points that Derby got um, in their season, um, about who some of the points came against. Yeah. I, I thought their win against Newcastle that sealed their relegation. Um, yeah. <laughs> that'd, that'd be their only win. win. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So on Spurs, guys, they, I, I heard this on another pod. What, where, where, where should Spurs finish this season, and what would you class as a disappointment for them? I Good luck, sir. You go first. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's. I mean, I just, I'm just looking at the table now, and it seems mad that they're four points off the top of the league when they they seem to have in recent weeks sort of dropped a number of silly points. I, I really, I. It's hard to predict where anyone's going to finish this season. What I would say is, I if I was a Tottenham fan or you know was involved at the club, I would consider it a disappointing season if they didn't finish in the top four. With the manager that they've got and, the, and some of the players they've got as well, I would say, to, yeah, if they finish outside the top four, I would say that would be a disappointing season. Where they finish in that top four is anyone's guess, to be honest, but that would be my take on it. Yeah, I think for any team like that who obviously is aimed at Champions League football, they missed out last season. I think their aim would have been and be back in that top four one way or another. Or back in the Champions League, I should say, one way or another. Um, with Mourinho, you never know. You might say, well, you know, our best chance actually is to go and win the Europa League. Um, however, as I said, I mean, this season's mad. Like this. On games played, points per game, you know, Everton are arguably in the top four at the minute. Um, and they didn't seem to win a game for three months. I don't know how that's even happened, but <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it's very strange. But if, if you're Spurs and you've got, you know, Harry Kane, England captain, um, you probably think you should be in the top four because of the sheer amount of goals him and Son can contribute. Uh, and Mourinho's big thing is having a solid defence, which... Has had it sometimes, other times it's failed a little bit. They'll be looking for top four. They've got to be back in that Champions League one way or another. That stadium doesn't pay for itself. 
Um, but they probably didn't anticipate having, you know, Leicester being as good as they are, Everton being anywhere near this. Um, and dare I say Man United, I don't think they've probably overperformed a lot of people, a lot of people expected. So it's going to be a proper bun fight in the second half of the season. I think those, that top six will change over a lot. Yeah, I, I still think if Spurs finish outside the top four, uh, they have to see it as a disappointment. Um, I, I think they're, they're 11 and even sub-options now are just too good not to finish in the top four. Um, but it is so close and so tight that I couldn't even predict um, who the four would even be. Um, oh, God. Next up, we had the... Um, <laughs> Supposed tie the weekend, uh, Sky Sports Super Sunday fixture, the biggest rivalry in England, uh, all that <laughs> good stuff. Um, and we were entertained with no no. Uh, Dave, take it away. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was a bit of a bit of a snooze fest at times, wasn't it? I mean, there was there was some some moments where a goal threatened to break out, but I thought. Man United had the better chances. Um, I thought Liverpool were the front three again. Didn't seem like they ever met. Firmino was shooting as wild at best. It's a bit unusual. I mean, I, I guess the, the one talking point we'd ask you about Ali is the the Mane chance on half time where there seemed to be time on the clock and he looked like he was throwing goal. Hi. Any thoughts on that or just? Um, I think uh, Mr. Tierney's got some explaining to do. Um, I, I, I don't believe there was any mal- malice in it. I believe I can only hope that his, maybe his watch didn't tally up mm. or he's looked at his watch, you know, just quick glance and looked at the same time, sort of. And then when he's seen the ball go through, Maybe just thinking that it was rolling to the keeper, or, or so I, I've I've got to look at it from that sort of thing and hope that there was of not hope. Okay, you know there's there's no like proper malice in it, but it's um it's it's a big error. Um, Sadio Mane's through one on one with the goalkeeper. Um, I know he's got 35 yards to run into, but Sadio Mane's quick and he was getting chased by Harry Maguire, Lindelof. <laughs> You know, I, I didn't fancy any of them catching him. Um, I'm not saying he would have scored, but you know, it, it, it's a chance, and that can that could change. But to see, to see, you can't pin the game on that. I mean, you 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 were very nice to what I would have said. The front three were shite. Um, <laughs> for you know, used to get by by doing all the other stuff really well, so it didn't really matter about his goals. Um, but when you're not doing them well. Um, all of a sudden those goals and those chances because the chances always fall to him which is the issue um, so people can talk about like you know us missing Van Dijk Gomez um, playing John Henderson at centre back um, but our problem isn't any of those we defended you know fairly well um, our problem is we don't we have three players so we can't score goals like Mo Salah for me is one of the best winger forwards in the world, his stats match up with everybody who's not named Ronaldo in the Premier League history. Um, Luke Shaw um, embarrassed him, made him look like a little kid. Um, I, 
abysmal. Right? Um, our two best players, like attacking wise, were Thiago and uh, Shakiri. Till Shakiri, I think you mentioned it to me. I didn't realise how bad until I watched it back. Shakiri was knackered. <laughs> Yeah, he hasn't played an awful lot of football, has he? But he he did help. He was, you know, he was good so at getting those, getting those pockets and playing the playing the decisive pass. But um, you probably say it's the first time in three years, maybe that all of your front three are off the boil at the same time. Like normally, at least one of them pops up with something to to drag you over the line. And it's, I think they're not. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. It's um, something obviously not right there. Um, even Mane, who's normally you know, very, very reliable. Um, yeah. Anonymous, really. Didn't, I, I mean, Jot, that's where Jota's injury just hasn't helped. You know, not being able to rotate that. Um, not having that different type of forward. Um, but again, it just comes down to... Uh, uh, I, I, I mean, Simon, we're talking just, as you've seen just before you jump on, Dave, and it's hard to moan about owners and, and managers when, when you're on, because <laughs> obviously you'd love to be in our situation, but I just feel, you know, winning the league last season, it, it, it was just the perfect opportunity that Liverpool have always failed to do it years gone by. You know, when you when you come close and you, you start building a team and then you get to that point and it's like just one or two more players can take you to that, you know, that next level. And I just feel like this summer, we, you know, we just won the league. Um, like everybody knows Lovren, I wasn't the biggest fan. But we let him go and we didn't replace him. Um, and now it's to the point they keep saying that we've got these young guys who are Nat Phillips and, and Reese Williams who we've seen over a few weeks. They've not featured the last two games. We've played Jordan Henderson. So we've got our two main holding midfielders now playing centre-half. Um, and Liverpool are very, very lucky that Fabinho is just a wonderful footballer mm. who can play centre-half. And, centre- and not having him in midfield has been massive for the for the attack as well because the midfield must feel a bit freer when they've got a player like Fabinho behind them and you know just mopping everything up a bit like Leicester did when they had Canty um, and Chelsea obviously the the following season um, and I just think that missing Fabinho in midfield is more important than. Um, than anything else, and it's why just not signing a defender and still having Divacarigi on the books and not having a a, a useful forward um, <laughs> is very amateurish. Um, and I, I, again, I, I I get it's like s- snobbish issues um, for the position we're in, but if we had a, a semi-fit team this season, and I, I think we would have walked away with the league, especially with the form other teams were in at the start of the season. Because um, defensively, barring that Villa game, um, I'm sure Simon will bring up 100 more times this season, um, <laughs> you know, we haven't defended badly. Um, and Man United were pretty much well known for probably one of the most, one of the best attacks, especially away from home this season. And um, we made the better chances yesterday, but none were really, you know, clear cut. I would say, like, Alisson made one really good save. Um, but apart from that, it was very, you know, comfortable. That's it. I mean, it was, it was very comfortable for both teams. I mean, I know Man United, as I say, probably had the, probably had the better chances. I think Fernandes had a, um, 
a shot from what's been five or six yards, which Allison did well to save. Yeah. Um, that was probably the clearest chance I can remember, unless I'm missing one. But um, I think Pogba had a, um, a shot saved as well. It was. I think Man United will probably be more regretful of it now because that was a real chance to beat you, um, take your home record off you, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they never really committed to it. Um, and I think if they'd won that yesterday, people would be talking about them as, as serious title contenders. Um, but they, they, you know, they didn't, and I think that's kind of where Solskjaer falls down is that he didn't have the stones to really go for it. Yeah, I was going to say that. Do you feel Solskjaer got that wrong yesterday? Um, more so with uh, what well, I was surprised at, not just the way the front three were set. Like, Pogba playing right wing and Marshall, like, why were they not all in their positions that they've been playing in and effective in? It's very negative, I thought, playing, putting Pogba out there. I mean, I'm not Pogba's biggest fan, but he's, he's played quite well recently. Um, yeah. Where they've been playing him, which is kind of left centre. Um, I thought it was a bit of a... There's really too much respect, which I know you always do the champions and you can't just go cavalier against you, but there was every chance of beating you yesterday. Really, there was. Yeah, I I expected the worst. Um, I really, really did. Um, and then left disappointed because I thought we were the better... I thought they created the... More likely chances, but I, I, de- I definitely thought we were the better team. Um, through it all, just if we just had a striker, <laughs> like if we just had <laughs> one function forward, just to replace Firmino, like we could have handled Salah and Mane being, being the way they were. Um, but like the three main chances we had, I know like they had, but it's because um, um, Firmino can't kick a ball. Yeah. I mean, on the plus side, for you, Thiago was brilliant. He was, uh, he looked like the type of player you know, he spent the money on. You've had to wait a long time to get him fully fit and stuff, but he looks like he'll obviously improve when he's got a functioning forward line in front of him. Yeah, I mean, he, he could tell his frustration at the end of the game. I wonder if he's regretting signing now. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he, he'd watched all this video of this attacking threat that we had last year, and he's lined up this year and seen. Um, three doppelgangers who's <laughs> 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 taking over but like, I'm sure given time um, I think we've got Burnley on Thursday yeah um, I mean if you don't beat Burnley at home I mean come on the, do, the do us all a favour we, we need to play a, a Brighton I, get, I know we just drew with them so that's probably the wrong choice but you know we need to play that type of team Um I mean, Chris Wood will be licking his lips if you've got Henderson at ten and a half again. But yeah, I think Matt will probably be back by the sound of it. So yeah, he'll be back for that and then injured again by the weekend. So hey, <laughs> 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 this—I mean, this is the the issue, you know. I mean, Matt is our best, well, second best centre and a half just now. Um, he's still not better than Fabinho, um, but he, he's just not reliable, just injury wise. Um, it's it's a Minamino for me against Palace was was phenomenal. Um, he's not played a minute since, <laughs> um, which is which is baffling. Yeah, like I, I don't I just don't understand. Oh, it's just so frustrating. Um, obviously Naby Keita just picks up injuries and misses five games at a time as well. Um, I mean yeah, the injuries. 
the injuries have killed us, but we just don't do ourselves any favour. As I say, I thought Minamino in that Palace game was phenomenal. Um, he played as the... Well, he played behind Firmino that day, I think. Um, I think Firmino played as well, because he scored twice. Um, but he's just... He's high intensity, he's pressure, he's, he's link-up play is phenomenal. And as I say, not a single minute since... Um, I couldn't believe when he threw Origi on yesterday. I thought, how how on earth is Origi up at this pecking order? Like, it just didn't make yeah. any space. He's done nothing, ever. Like, I, get, I can't remember the last minute he played either in the league. Well, I mean, I guess you get to do this all again next Sunday, don't you, in the FA Cup? So, that'll be a treat. I can promise you I'm not going to watch it. Um, <laughs> I, I only watched this one because... I, don't, I Actually, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> just... I, I, I think I had just convinced myself that we were going to get hammered. That I, I had to, I had to watch it. Um, I had said if I'd watched it, you would have had a new host of this show. Um, I, I genuinely was just done with football for the season. I'm really struggling to enjoy football this season. I mean, I don't know about you guys, um, and it's not because we're not winning before. <laughs> it just. Football just isn't enjoyable as much just now. Again, I don't know if it's the fans. I don't know if it's just... I I think with with this game, uh, definitely, and and these types of games this season, I think the lack of fans is making such a huge difference. I think Ryan, I think, put a message in the group about the fixtures between the top six or the traditional top six this season. They've all been like nil nils, one nils, and one ones. I think I think a big reason that is because the fans. You take this game on Sunday, so maybe with half and twenty minutes, half an hour left. I think both teams just probably looked at it and thought, "Well, do you know what? Actually, a point is a is quite a sensible result here. You know, with the top." two teams in the league at the moment, um, you know, position-wise on the table. So, you know, it, it, it makes perfect sense to, to just sort of be sensible and play out the draw. If there's fans in that stadium, <coughs> the atmosphere gets ramped up and that forces players to lose that bit of rationality and maybe go in for a challenge they shouldn't go in for or maybe chuck a few men more forward than they should do which opens up games and, and leads to better quality <laughs> games as well. Yeah. Um, we can use that as an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do believe um, that is the issue, especially in the top games. There, there's no pressure on them because there's no fans. Yeah, so, so it just makes, it makes sense in a way to to not be risky and just be cautious and and think, you know, let's just take a point and, and get out of here with a point. That's a good result against against these type of teams. Yeah. Um, I, that that can only be their thinking. It, it can be the only logic. I, I, I mean, I can't imagine either team wanting that. Um, but I, it goes back to, I just, fair play to any of the players playing and getting results because it must be so hard to get up for these games just now knowing that there's not really any it doesn't matter if they play bad because there's no repercussions you know there's no well there is repercussions but there's no immediate like you know they're not getting harassed they're not getting booed there's no there's no moans there's no groans you've not got that jubilation when you make a challenge when you score a goal it just 
I mean, don't get me wrong, the wages that are going into the bank every every month or so must ease it slightly, but it's still, I mean, they're still human beings. I mean, it, it just, it must be just so weird. It just, I, I just can't fathom it. Well, um, we'll move off that, though, because I, I can't take any more. Um, <laughs> and we'll go to a team who have no issues whatsoever um, in recent weeks and, with their game in hand, can go top of the league. Um, now, favourites for the league, Manchester City 4, Crystal Palace no. John Stones with two goals, guys. Um, how? He's <laughs> uh, the new, he's just found, found his goal-scoring touch, hasn't he? It's uh, it's man, sort of the Man City getting back to the Man City that we've sort of come accustomed to seeing over the last couple of years, isn't it? Really, I mean, they, they this, this is a type of performance against the type of team in Palace that you know for the last two or three years they they always win these type of games four, five, six nil. Um, a couple of really nice goals as well. Lovely free kick from Sterling at the end. I didn't know he had that in his locker, to be quite honest. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what more you, you can say about the game itself. I think more in terms of City overall, the, the last few weeks, they really sort of seem to have been clicking back into gear. And somehow, I don't know if it's by design or by accident, Pep has stumbled upon a centre-back partnership of Stones and Diaz that looks phenomenal. They've conceded one goal in the 10 games they've started together, which, I mean, that that is title-winning form, to be honest, isn't it? So, I, yeah, I think they're looking pretty strong at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Dave, much more to add to, to that. Uh, no, I think, uh, I said it a few weeks ago, Man City are kind of on the rails under very... Very quietly going about the business, just sweeping teams aside, one and two nil. And in this case, they got you know a bit excited towards the end and got a couple more. But um, Palace were, were, were abysmal. <laughs> um, they, they, as soon as I saw the teams, he didn't have Zaha and I was like, this is just a waste of time. <laughs> like there is no chance of this anything, anything other than nil and lots. <laughs> it, it it almost almost seems a bit unfair that after two weeks off with uh, having a COVID outbreak at, at Villa that our first game is back is against Man City on Wednesday. I'm not sure how I've got how I quite feel about that. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine, Simon. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point to, to, to finish the fixtures on. It has been a few weeks since you played, Simon. Are you missing Villa playing? And... Uh, yeah, I mean, like the FA Cup game that we played, to be honest, in, in what happened and sort of the team we had to pull out, for me, made me want to watch the game more. I wasn't, got to be honest, wasn't particularly arsed about that game until everything broke on Thursday with the COVID outbreak. So it was quite nice for me just to sort of see the younger talent coming through. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, did the, had we had it been this time last season and this happened, I'd have been more than happy to have taken a break because we were absolute dog shit last year. But this year we've been playing really well. I think we're 
at the moment, I think we're one of the better, the best teams to watch in the league at the moment. So, yeah, I've I've missed watching them. But as I say, two couple of weeks without a game, nine of the players been struck down with COVID. Uh, it's we. I don't think you could have picked a worse fixture than away to Man City to have to go in. So. Yeah, three games in hand now for yeah the the fixtures have to be piling up, so it won't be a, a pleasant a pleasant few months for you. Trying to get all those played as well. Um, just on that FA Cup game, yeah, FA Cup game. Yeah. Uh, I, I've never cheered a goal against Liverpool so much when Young Barry <laughs> scored against us. I was delighted. Um, I was so happy for him. Oh, it's a lovely finish, wasn't it? The celebrations, and I thought his interview afterwards as well. I thought he spoke really well for for young lads. Uh, I mean, there's there's been a lot of talk about him at Villa uh, since he came came to the club. I mean, he's been very highly rated. I mean, Barcelona. So I mean, I know, he, I know he's only there for six months, but you've got to be decent for them to want you. And I, I believe PSG also offered him a two million pound a year contract to go to there rather than Barcelona. So I think there's, there's certainly a talent there. And if, if he can sort of keep his feet on the ground and develop, it'd be, a, it'd be interesting to see how he progresses over the next couple of years. I, I hope he does really well. Yeah, I hope. Um, I mean, how old is he? 16? Uh, he's just turned 17. 17, yeah. Hopefully maybe a, 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 like a, a loan spell somewhere. Um, it's all about picking the right loan spells. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if he'd come through at 17 last season, he probably would have got more minutes in the league. Um, just because yeah. he's poor. Unfortunately, he's coming through at the wrong time now, where he's actually doing quite well. Um, yeah, well, I mean, from that point of view, though, it, it kind of, had we had to chuck him in when we were doing poorly, that, you know that 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 that's a real gamble because if he comes in and just goes and it goes shit because we were so shit, then then that's not going to help him. I think because we're doing well now, it sort of allows us to to be a bit more careful with it and you know not have to rush him into minutes or you know overplay. We can sort of pick and choose when to dip him in and out, and uh, which which will help. And uh, yeah, as I say, just it's it's all everyone like. You know, fan of, fans of every club love to see players come through their academy and break into the first team. So that that game last week, it was uh, it was the first time since Villa's first ever game back in the 1800s that all 11 players uh, starting were making their debuts. So it was just it was just really nice to see, and it just made, I thought it just made it a more entertaining game than than it would have been to be honest. It's just a shame. I know it happened in that game. It's just a shame that it wasn't like when you had first team first teamers available to yeah. see a mix where you know a couple of the first teamers to see how he he held his own with them as well you know with the obviously these are guys he plays with week in week out so it would have been slightly easier for a lot of the young guys it'd be nice to see him with a couple of the you know the senior players. Um, yeah, well, uh, I think in the last week now, I think three or four of the lads he played in that game have now gone out on loan to uh, clubs down in League 1 and League 2. So, you know, from that point of view, the fact that they can all play that game together, especially at the start of January, just sort of put them in the shop window a bit to, to get a loan spell and first-team football, which which is what they all really need, isn't it? So, it, it, called, it worked out well for them, to be honest. I, I think 
especially with the fixture pile-up that we've got now, sort of getting knocked out of the FA Cup has done us a bit of a favour anyway. Um, and, yeah, I, I think if there's any season as well to not be too fussed about not winning the FA Cup, it's probably this year anyway, because it's not like, as a fan, I'd be able to go there if you got to the final. If, if we win the <laughs> FA Cup, I want to be there to see it. Yeah, I, I can care less. I would have quite happily went out against yourselves. Um, uh, Dave, right, we'll come on to tonight's fixture then. Mm. Uh, I did try to prolong it for you there. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, I guess you're at the point where it's like no longer a surprise now. It's just kind of we we just want a win now. Well, this is it. I mean, in isolation, losing three 0 Arsenal isn't isn't something to really get upset about because it happens most seasons to us at Arsenal. It happens to a lot of teams at Arsenal. Like, you know, traditionally they've obviously been a strong team for a lot of years, but we haven't won in a fair while now. Um, and it's just that the performances are so poor. And obviously the, the big loss with Sheffield United in the week, I think that was kind of the final straw for a lot of people with, with Bruce and things like that. And he picked, he picked a back five there with... It was just an awful lineup, and as soon as you saw the team, you thought we're going to lose there. So, for some reason tonight, you thought the best way to counteract that was to play four forward players um, and a back four against Arsenal away. And surprise, surprise, first goal comes from a counter attack. And it's just stuff that any bog standard manager would be able to would be able to see coming and be able to you know stop happening. And in previous seasons, I mean, this is not a new thing for Newcastle. We've had a lot of managers over over my lifetime. When Sometimes you have a bit of sympathy with the manager because you know the players they've got just aren't good enough. And you know when we were getting beat every week under Sunes with with Boomsong floundering around at the back, you kind of understood why that was happening. But with this set of players, like I get, them, I don't feel like they've stopped playing. Like they they just have no direction. They've been given nothing to work with. Like to play four four two in this day and age is just doesn't happen, does it? Like not many clubs play 4-4-2, not many play away at Arsenal, and not many of them play Andy fucking Carroll up front still. So, <laughs> and to top it all off, if you're going to play you know, Andy Carroll, you need wingers on the field. And he started with Almiron, who was very good, but he played down the right, so everything he does, he's got to cut back in and cross. And play with Joe Linton down the left, who, I mean, I don't know what he is, but he's not a left winger by any means. Um, and it's just things like that, like, which, again, the average man on the street could tell he's not a good idea, but he didn't seem to get it whatsoever. So... We um, and this is my, my my big problem, and I, you know one of these days I'll just combust explain all this to someone. But you've got the football media who keep telling us, oh they expect too much, they want too much, and oh why are they on, why is Annabelle Bruce so much? You know why, why, when Rafa was was they love Rafa so much, but they you know but Rafa's football was terrible too. But these same pundits are saying we want the world and we want this wonderful football, but they also say we want Rafa back, who in their eyes play terrible football. So. Which is it? You kind of, you kind of. It's just nonsense. Like Gary Neville tonight. I mean, Gary Neville's normally quite a good pundit, but oh, you know, they should stick by the manager. What did Salford do? Well, three weeks ago, sack the manager because it, it weren't as high up the table as they want to be. How can that level of hypocrisy be allowed to speak on national television and just? It's utter garbage. There's only Carragher who gets it because he obviously, you know, he's a disciple of rap. He's a disciple of football, and that he. He knows what he's talking about. He, by the sound of things, all he does is read, read stats and figures all day, which is fine by me, because um, at least he gives a fair opinion of what's going on. I heard Jimmy Redknapp in the week as well, just saying, oh, you know, it's, 
Bruce is doing a good job in the circumstances and this, that and the other. We've got a fairly good team there. It's far better than, you know, one win in nine or ten, whatever it is. And I know this, it's not a brilliant team by any means. It has flaws, but any bog-standard manager could put that team in the, you know, 4-2-3-1 or some run-of-the-mill formation and we wouldn't be getting beat one off. No wins all season, Sheffield United. And it's just... It's, I'm worried now it's going to be too late before he acts because if we get relegated, it's going to deter any hope of this takeover, which again is all we've got to cling on to. It's never-ending saga, which has been going on for months and years now. Um, if we get relegated, I imagine that's off the table because no one's going to want to buy a championship club for that amount of money. Um, and uh, under McLaren, we waited until we had 10 games left before we sacked him and it was too late for Rafa to get us out the hole. We've got essentially 20 games left this season, so nowhere near that before he pulled the trigger. So I, I can't imagine he's going to do it anytime soon. Um, and he definitely won't walk away. Bruce just sits there saying the same the same nonsense every week. He's just as bad as the pundits. He says, oh, you know, I don't walk away from a challenge, except you've quit eight of your last 10 jobs. Just ignore, just ignore that, though, you know. Just, <laughs> just say things people want to hear. It's all garbage, and it's... The problem is obviously Ashley. Um, Ashley's trying to sell the club, if you believe everything you read. I think he is trying to sell the club this time. I, I think it would be a hell of a smokescreen for this nonsense. <laughs> for this length of time, if he wasn't trying to. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's the problem. It kills every discussion dead because here's the problem. So you can say, well, you know, Bruce is doing the best he can with what he's got because the owner won't give him more money or you know, whatever. The owner gave the money, uh, give the manager you know, 30 million to spend in the summer, uh, probably a bit more, and he bought Callum Wilson and Jamal Lewis, and neither of them particularly, well, Lewis has probably been a bit below what we expected, but he hasn't been terrible by any means. Um, Wilson's been a revelation, considering he never gets the ball. He has about 10 touches a game, and three of them are kicking off. So, <laughs> he, kind of, he kind of play poverty. I know he's missing St. Maximum at the minute, but he dropped him anyway before he got COVID, so, I mean, you can't really blame that. It's a, it's a very sad state of affairs. And then if it was up to me, I'd sack Bruce tomorrow and I'd bring in someone like Nigel Pearson, who I don't particularly like, but he's a, he's a bog-standard manager who will motivate them for three or four games. They'll get the wins. The, the, you know, every other club seems to get a fabled manager bounce, which we don't have, but appoint someone who will shout at them for a couple of days and they probably will win a couple of games. And then they'll be well clear of the relegation zone. We've got a squad that could cobble together enough points to stay up. But instead, we're stuck with this manager who just thinks hard work and rolling his sleeves up and whatever else is, is the way to get out of this shit. And it's just not like that. Those days are so so long gone. It's an, an incredible that he's still employed at the top level. Rant over. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. It's um, it's just it must be horrific for you guys. Um, as you said, the the biggest thing takeaway for me is. As, as you say, it's the media, all you know, all Ashley's pals. I mean, you hear it in in the studios. I mean, Talksport's the worst for it. Oh. Uh, if you listen to that, I'm, I mean, I'm stuck listening to it at work. Um, but oh, as you say, you kind of need to kind of almost just get through the season um, and stay in the Premier League, as you say, David. Mm-hmm. The, the inevitable and uh, or is it even inevitable? <laughs> it feels like it's been that long, but you know, just the takeover comes, um, and you can almost just 
kind of move on. Um, I, unfortunately, I just don't see Bruce going anywhere until until the end of the season, um, unless, as you say, it gets to that stage where hopefully it's not too late. But you know, it's it's just looking likely. If you know what I mean. Um, yeah, well, this is it. I mean, he won't walk away because he'll, he'll want the compensation, which yeah. I think most managers would these days. Um, but he's also supposedly supposedly a fan. Um, do you want to be the guy who relegated your club? I mean, he's, he's, he's going the right way about it at the minute. Um, we've got, I said earlier, we've got Villa on Saturday. Um, Villa can't be fully fit, surely. They've been decimated by the by the COVID, which it sounds like they have been. Um and they've got got to chase Man City around on Wednesday night. For most clubs that would be seen as an opportunity, but I just don't have any idea what team he'll play. <laughs> it um so often at the minute the team the game's lost when the team sheet comes out. It's like he's he's just picking the wrong players um in the wrong formations and we're so bad at everything. Like the goal we gave away tonight was this terrible set piece. But we left one V one at the back. Craft against Aubameyang, like that was never going to end well. <laughs> every every throw in we get, we give the ball away. Like I just don't know what we work on. There's no, there's absolutely no cohesion to the team whatsoever. Um, it's and what's worse is every fan of every club he's ever managed is agreeing with all on social media. Oh, you know this happened when he was at us ten years ago. Happened when he was at us five years ago. Nothing's ever changed. Like he's not going to change now. I'm not expecting he's going to suddenly come up with this this new way of doing things. Like we're, we're fucked, basically. He's a manager. Happened with us three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, I I I think I said uh, I think the the other day in the group I, I messaged saying that I see he's come he'd come out with one of his uh, favourite lines of I was there's an element of the fans who were never going to accept me from the start. He said exactly the same thing, exactly the same horseshit. That's what it is. Uh, when it came to the end of his time at Villa, he, he said, "Oh no, I was I was never going to be fully accepted because of my Birmingham City connections." That's absolute bullshit. Because for the first sort of eighteen months that Bruce was in charge, he nearly took us up. Like we we lost the player final, and we he he he'd done a good job, to, like up to that point, and I'd had. You know, full backing from the no one gave a, a monkeys about his his connection to Blues. Um, and but we know when he was Sunderland manager towards the end of his time there, it was the same shit. They were never going to accept me because I'm a Newcastle lad. Is and he 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 comes out with that nonsense, and his mates in the media pick up on it and they say that's the reason he had to, he had to leave or he got the sack because the fans they never gave him a fair chance. It's a load of shit. Like. I, I, <laughs> I, I really, really, really do feel so sorry uh, for the Newcastle fans, which, I mean, I, there was a while that I wasn't that overly fond of them, but I've kind of, the last few years, you, you can't help but feel sorry for them. The ownership, is, as you've you know, touched upon, is, I mean, actually, it's just, a, I, I couldn't think, there can't be many worse owners in the Premier League, and it's just the manager that you're stuck with now, I mean... When he the, the, the problem, the worry that I would have would be that, say, if he gets to the stage where it's looking like okay, you are in trouble, and they do pull the trigger, who the hell are they going to get in? Because surely they must be running out of those type of managers on that, you know, merry-go-round of shite dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So, 
no, no one surely in their right mind, you know, no one with any ambition is going surely going to take that job with Mike Ashley still in charge. So if Bruce goes, who the fuck comes in? I know. Well, this is what I'm worried about. That's why, like, the height of my ambition is, is someone like Nigel Pearson. Just yeah. I don't want you know long term. Definitely not the answer. <laughs> but if I want to, to, man- to manage us for 15 games and keep us up. And it's like when Aldice took the Everton job a couple of years ago. Oh, I kept Everton up. They were never going to get relegated. They were yeah. in the bottom three. Like it's it's very similar to that. Like we're not in the shit yet, but you can everyone can see where we're heading. And you could stop it now and bring in any I say any bog standard manager would get a tune out of this team for five or six games and get us the points we need to be safe. We've got twenty games left. We need to win. Well we've got nineteen points, eighteen points. So let's generally say if we win six of them. That's 36 points. Couple together, three or four draws. That'll be that'll be enough. That's mm. not, you know, that's not a huge ask. No, I mean, as I say, I kind of one of my other like uh, good mates, a Newcastle fan. Funny, we were sort of having a little chat the other day, and I, uh, I think it was after the Sheffield United game. And, well, I was saying, you know, the squad of players there, Kevin. Not going to really pull any trees up, but they're capable of finishing comfortably around sort of tenth, eleventh. You would assume, like Callum, as you say, Callum Wilson is a decent goal scorer. Shelby on his day, you know, is is a decent enough player. Fraser has been good in the past. Matt Ritchie's got a bit of ability. Um, Lewis as well. You know, there's, it's, they're not, you know, they're never going to be world beaters, but. You know, a managed, a proper manager with those players should be should have them playing much better football without a doubt. And mm-hmm. it's just, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I don't, I'm on the, the verge of whether I think they could go down or not. Because you kind of, because as I say, you roll off those players and you think that that's a squad of players that shouldn't get relegated when you look at some of the other squads that are, that, are that are around in the league. But with that manager and the way he's got you playing football, and I, I use that term very generously, mm-hmm. just that he's got you playing football, you, that, then there's, there's a serious serious worry, I think. Absolutely. And I say every time that your Brightons and your Burnleys and your Fulhams and even West Brom couple wins together, I just think they're going to catch us. <laughs> it's horrible. It's um, I say like I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but like our history with Big Sam is like it's always intertwined, and I just have a horrible feeling he's going to get one over us yet again, um, which should never happen because we've we've given us like a fifteen point head start or something by the time we take the year. But we will see. But I say if if we sack him tomorrow. Short of bringing in, you know, promoting Steve Agnew to manager, that would be, would be bad. But you should be able to hire, you should be able to hire a, a fairly standard manager to save, to save the, the day here. But never mind, we'll see. Frank Lampard might be available soon. If, um, <laughs> well, don't could, don't depress him more. Well, hey, I honestly don't think he could do a worse job. Because <laughs> yeah. at, at least Lampard even played football in the last five years, doesn't he? Ten. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, he, he's still fairly in touch with modern football, which I just don't think Bruce is. I don't think he gets it. I mean, yeah. no, it's uh, just totally different eras, really. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough one for you. Um, well, um, we'll we'll take you take you out of that. 
about that space, Dave. Um, <laughs> we'll, do a, we'll do a quick preview of the the three nights fixtures since the the other guys will not be recorded until after they've they've actually played. Um, so we'll go on to Tuesday. I've just got a quick prediction of results for you rather than talking about the game. So, uh, Dave, West Ham, West Brom. Um, oh, please, West Ham win. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, West Ham. Uh, yeah, I've got to fancy West Ham for that. Uh, right, PE teacher or Sunbed King, uh, Leicester <laughs> v Chelsea. I'm going to go with Leicester. I think I think they've got the form at the minute and Chelsea don't. Yep, yeah, fair. I, I think I'd go with Leicester. Uh, Simon? Yeah, I'd go with Leicester as well. I think they've, I think they've got a better team, to be honest. And well, they've, they've, got, well. And they've, yes. they've, they've got a manager who has got a set way of playing with that team and Chelsea don't. So Yeah, proper identity, don't they? Um, oh, the Leeds-Southampton game has been postponed. Um, Southampton have got uh, streets being the FA Cup on Tuesday. Ah, right, OK. Um, so we have then the game you you were speaking about, Simon. Man City at home at Aston Villa. Uh, if this had been two or three weeks ago, I'd have maybe fancied us to have nicked a draw there, but with the two-week layoff and sitting the form they're in, I, I, my, my heart, head's got to roll my heart here and I'll go for a City win. Yeah, same. Uh, Dave, full house? Uh, I think City will win. I think it'll be you know 2 nil or something. I think City managing the games quite well at the minute because they're Obviously playing a lot of fixtures, so we'll play for an hour, get a couple of goals, and then be a bit of a procession after that, I think. And then lastly for the night then, Dave, Fulham at home to Manchester United? Well, Manny were good away from home. Fulham, yeah. Fulham are solid, but I think Manny will win. Simon? Uh, yeah, I don't think it'll be a particularly easy game for United. So, no, I don't think I'll go and do them two or three or anything. Maybe, maybe like a 1-0 or 2-1, just, just about get over the line. Yeah, full house for there. And I believe it's only Liverpool Burnley on Thursday, is it? Yeah. Yes, it is, yeah. So, Dave, yeah. Well, again, really hope you win. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Simon? Uh, Well, logic should dictate that you should win it, but I'd have expected you to have beaten Newcastle and West Brom as well, so... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for you again and hope that you that you don't let me down this time. I, I genuinely believe it'll be a one-one draw. Um, I say like you wouldn't be upset, you wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw. Like I mean, no. it's a type of I, mean, I think they were a draw that last season, didn't they? I mean, you'd already won the league. But. Did, yeah, yeah. Um, I just think you, it's like I, I didn't even think of Chris Wood in general, but as soon as you said Chris Wood and moving yeah. up at the back. <laughs> Him and Ashley Barnes up against Henderson, they they'll be that'll be that's Sean Dodge's wet dream, that isn't it? I know, yeah. he's he's been waiting for this moment, hasn't he? Uh, <laughs> and five foot eight Tiago in the middle of the midfield. Well Sean Dodge li- doesn't believe he should be a footballer. I hope he likes Jack Cox's foot up his arse, that's what's gonna happen to him <laughs> on Thursday night. <laughs> uh, right, so yep, um I think we'll 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 end that there at that. Um Dave, what have you got going on at the moment? Uh, all sorts to be honest. Um we're recording the next Chapman on the Post this week. Um, that should be out probably next week um, once we get around to that. Uh, Twitter is at CM9798. And um, we've got the, the Football Manager 21 blog on the Man on the Post WordPress at the minute. And Simon, where can they find you on? Uh, it's on Twitter at Sio Regan. 
and you can get me at Ali Thompson eighty four. You can get the Man in the Post at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Um, Chris and the gang will be back on Thursday slash Friday with the Extra Time Show. Um, as Dave says, the Chapman and the Post will be recorded soon. Hopefully, we have the Football Manager podcast released within the next week or so. I can't remember when the last one exactly came out. Um, but yeah, that's it. So if you'd like to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple, um, you can find us on all our platform devices, but only Apple matters. Um, and apart from that, yeah, just um, we will be back, uh, probably not at the weekend, because that'll be the FA Cup, um, and none of us really are too like focused on, on for teams to talk about. So, the next lot of fixtures, which I believe is the 26th to the 28th, I think you said, Dave? Yeah, they're midweek games. Yep, so we'll come back for, for those. Um, apart from that, thank you for joining me, chaps. Cheers, thank you. Thank you. And always remember to keep your man in the post. Mm-hmm.